Hey, it's Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. Veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, and is a longtime podcaster. Also, I have stage 4 prostate cancer, so my doctors advise me to stay home during these COVID-19 concerns. So what am I doing with my time? I'm calling some of the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who have been part of my life during more than 30 years in journalism. Oh, and I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. I'm getting ready to call my friend Kelly Stewart in uh, Las Vegas. If you're not familiar with Kelly, who is best known by her social media moniker, Kelly in Vegas, she's a respected sports handicapper who now works for wagertalk.com, among others. Her resume includes her own podcast, The Kelly and Murray Show. Her area of expertise is football because growing up a K-State fan in Manhattan, Kansas, during the heyday of Bill Snyder teams at Kansas State, Kelly fell in love with the sport. She has clawed her way up in a male-dominated handicapping industry and earned respect along the way. There's no stopping Kelly, who is a force of nature I call Hurricane Kelly. You can get a little dose of that by watching the Showtime series documentary called Action about sports betting in Vegas. We've grown really close over the years. I refer to her as my niece, and I'm warning you, she is not the bear to poke on social media. Miss Kelly Stewart, how are you? Uh, you know, just living the dream. Let's see, it's uh, 10 a.m. on the West Coast, <laughs> having a cup of coffee, just ate some breakfast. You know, the, the usual, uh, what day is it, Friday? Friday morning for me. <laughs> I know. It's just, I'm, I just realized that I have been self-quarantined with the exception of one short trip to the office to expose myself to uh, smelly employees that... Uh, I've been self-quarantined for a week. Me too. That's the crazy thing is that with work, you know, I work for Bleacher Report, who's owned by Warner Media, a.k.a. CNN, and others. They, I mean, I've had coworkers that have been working at home for two weeks already. They finally shut us down last Thursday after the NBA said, okay, no more. They finally said, okay, you know, if the NBA is not going to work, neither are you guys. And then the Nevada governor decides to quarantine this i'm like great well i've already been doing this for five days so does that mean that i get out early or yeah you know it's kind of nice i don't have to deal with people you know okay listen that part is nice but like i'm a social person i know you are i like to go out i like to go to restaurants i like to go to bars i like to chat with people i like to have a good time um i had my first alcoholic beverage in a week last night because i was just like okay fine i caved (laughs) I had a glass of wine. I mean, I figured like, this could be really good for my health overall. Like, Ironically, hey, yeah. Yeah, right? I'll, I'll not – I have no reason to drink. I have no reason to do anything. I, I can work out. I can eat healthy. I can't go you know, through the – I mean, I guess I could, but I'm not going to go through the Chick-fil-A drive through that whole kind of deal. But, man, this is, uh, this is, this is going to be a weird 30-plus days. Well, this is one of my solutions to actually be more productive while – Self-quarantined. I'm, you're the first person to be recorded in my home podcast studio, which is actually the dog room area, not the bar. We have a bar in the house named the dog room, but we actually have an office that the dogs kennel in. So at any moment, That's a dog funny. could bark. 
Uh, at any moment, Coco is not going to bark, but you may hear loud snoring in the background, and that is her. Frenchies. I did allow her to, to come in here and hang out with me. Oh, good. Coco's good company, isn't she? I mean, she tries. Sometimes she, tries. she gets... She tried to wake me up at like, I don't know, let's call it 6, 30, 7 a.m. The sun wasn't fully up, so I know it was early. Like, hey, time to get up, Mom. Like, this is our normal get-up schedule. And I was like, absolutely no. not. And I just put her on the bed, which is like, you know, usually forbidden for the dogs. And I put her on the bed and just pulled covers over our faces. and was like, dude, we're going back to bed. Man. Yeah, no doubt. We have no reason to be awake. No doubt. Yeah, my wife's been sent home. She works at a retirement community here in Manhattan. And they've sent her home, not because of anything of her doing it's because of me they don't want her exposed if it gets into the community so uh, her boss was actually worried about me so it's good to know people aren't trying to kill me off because this is a great opportunity this is a great opportunity unfortunately yeah i mean i think that um i should apologize for all of my generation and then the generation, I guess, are we calling them Generation Z? I don't know. It's just a bunch of idiots. I found out I'm so, a boomer and I'm not, so it's all very confusing. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. Who keeps calling you a boomer? I'm People. like, it's not that much older than I am. Well, I'm actually, you know, what's funny is someone moved the finish line on me. Because when I was growing up, boomers were... You know, clearly older than me. They were literally baby boomers. Right. They were literally that spike in the like 10 years after World War Two. They came. Dad came home and had lots of sex and they had lots of babies. Well, I'm of course I'm like born 19 years after the end of the war. And somehow they've moved the line for boomers to 64. Now, my dad wasn't even old enough to serve in World War Two. So it didn't make sense to me. But um, no, that doesn't make sense. Um, absolutely not. I mean, no, I would disagree with that. And, you know, the, then they say that we're like actually zennials. I'm an earth. What am I? Yeah. Zennial or something. The, the early 80s between when you're, I guess, would it be Generation X and millennials or what? I don't even know. But either way, I, I get I get angry when I get called a millennial. But, you know, at least uh at least we're really good at working from home in pajamas. I'll say that much. I'm wearing pants, and I want everyone to know that because, uh, well, they're sweats. I mean, they're not full pants. I was going to say, like, real pants. <laughs> like, I'm not in, uh, you know, Sansa belt 1970s pull-ups because I'm a boomer, and, you know, that stretchy belt is awfully nice. But uh, Sansa belts were great. I think I had one pair when I was really young, and I'm like, Mom, I, I, I can't wear these. But, I'm going to have to ask somebody about those because that is, is predating myself. Let me ask you this. You haven't been out much, but what is Vegas like right now? This is so weird. So I was out last Wednesday when we kind of realized that basically, for lack of a better word, shit was hitting the fan in Italy, right? Yeah. And I was like, okay, like, you know, and, and I was talking to some really smart guys that I know that are like, hey, Cal, obviously, like, Sure, we only have, you know, 40 cases in the whole United States, but like, let's look at the trajectory. Let's let's be smart about this, because like, at first I was kind of just like everybody else on Twitter. I'm like, everybody calm down. I am not a calm person. I'm not a rational person, but everybody was like losing their minds. And then I got some criticism for like, oh, you think this is a joke? And I'm like, I don't think it's a joke, but I think everybody needs to relax. And let's look at like dead on numbers here like you know heart disease kills people smoking kills people cancer kills like calm down everybody like it's going to be okay and i got some backlash for that but anyway so i was kind of out on wednesday and i'd went to the gym and i was talking to my trainer about it i'm like hey you know what do you guys think and 
she's like, you know, we're going to stay open until they, until they say that we can't. And I'm like, what do you mean? They're not going to make us shut down America. Like, you know, and then Wednesday night, then I went and did the podcast uh, with John Murray that I do every week, Kel- the Kelly and Murray show. And I walk in and I'm going, what the hell? Cause I'm in the back of a, a sports book and that's when the NBA had announced. So we're looking at each other like, wait, should we wait? Are we going to really start talking about these conference tournaments and, and what, how we think the bracket's going to play out? Like if the NBA just shut it down, maybe we should wait. We don't want to seem insensitive, things like that. Right. And then Thursday, everything pretty much started getting shut down. And the casinos were still open. And I went on, I think it was Saturday to get my money out of some of the apps just because I was like, well, who knows how long this could last? And if there's nothing to bet on, why would I keep money in there? Right. And it was packed. I went to the Rio um, because it's the closest Caesars sports book and it's really accessible versus going to Caesars. And in hindsight, I should have went to Caesars so I could get all my stuff out of my green room. But that's another story. So I get there and it's filled with old people. I'm going, do you guys not watch the news? Like, again, I'm not chicken little. The sky's not falling, but you guys are the most susceptible. Like, we got old ladies in there smoking cigarettes on their oxygen machines, like, no care in the world. And I'm going, okay. And it took about 20 minutes, which seems like, you know, quite a long time. And I'm sitting there in this empty sports book. There's not a sport on TV. There's only one teller working and a manager. So he gets me all checked out, and I'm walking out, and in comes, like, a 20 elderly women as I'm walking out the door, and I'm going – they're going to shut this whole thing down because nobody's taking it seriously. Sure enough, uh, that's kind of what it came to. I haven't driven down the strip. I've had friends post videos. It's like the videos are eerie enough, but I figure I'm, you know, I'm in the burbs. I'm probably 20, 25 minutes away from the strip. So it's, do I really need to make a trek down there just to see how dead the strip is? Not really. I mean, you can see it from multiple people's videos. It's, it's actually kind of wild, but other than that, you know, Costco, Sam's Club, avoiding those places at all costs. Every video I've seen is it's just a zoo. The grocery store, we did go to the grocery store the other night. Most of my stuff gets delivered because I'm oh, never home. Of course. Right? I, yeah. I'm always getting groceries delivered, like, you know, telling Brett, hey, can you grab these? They're going to be there between, between 12 and 2. Sure. Can you just put these away? Whatever it may be. And that's just been my life for probably two years just because I'm not at home as much anymore. And now I can't get groceries delivered. I mean, these companies like Amazon Prime, Instant Cart, they're all so backed up. So it's very uh, – I don't want to say scary because I'm not scared, but I am – It's unsettling. Yeah, it's, it's very like – this is kind of eerie. This is kind of creepy. Like, you know, my dad, who you guys probably don't know much about him, but – my dad was in Vietnam. My dad is definitely, I won't call him a doomsday prepper, but he's borderline, right? Like my dad's got stockpiles oh. of like dehydrated food. He's got canned goods. I love you, he dad. Gro- yeah, he's got, he's got, he grows a garden every year. And in like their little barter system in his small town in Montana, he gives out all the vegetables, whatever anybody wants, as long as the little old ladies across the street and down the road and whoever make him bread or can these vegetables or whatever it may be, right? Like their their little community is pretty cool how everybody really takes care of each other. So he's got, I mean, he's good. But I keep kind of wondering in the back of my mind, like what, what point in time should I maybe just drive up there? And I, and I haven't got to that point yet, but I've kind of had those discussions in my mind. And there's my dad who I figured would be freaking out right now because <laughs> this is what he's been planning for for his whole life. And he's like, you guys got to calm down. Like, It's not that big of a deal. I'm like, oh, oh, okay, if you're not freaking out, I guess I'm not either. Well, when you move to Montana, 
you've been practicing social distancing a long time. I mean, even though you have neighbors, you don't have a lot of neighbors. Uh, Not at all. And, you know, I think that's why they were kind of shocked, to say the least, that, you know, their governor shut everything down. It's like, hey, listen, we're in a rural area where I know that in Manhattan, it's the same thing. There's a lot of really small businesses. Even in Vegas, we have a ton of, you know, privately owned businesses and things that aren't just complete chains like everybody would think. But up there, there is none. There is no Applebee's. There is no whatever. Like the little diner is also the bar is also the gas station, you know, and if they shut places like that down, nobody has anywhere to go. Yeah. But if they don't shut it down, the little old ladies are going to be sitting there chain smoking cigarettes, playing the Kino machine. So it's like, you know, I feel like they kind of have a double edged sword. But yeah, I've definitely thought about it over the last couple of weeks where, hey, you know, uh, do I have an escape route? (laughs) Do I need to have an escape route? Right. Uh, And, you know, the thing is, is we've got this. We're both in the middle, but the young, younger generation was, you know, college age or younger or probably you know, they're, they're invincible. We were the same way. God knows I was, and I remember you from college. God knows you felt invincible and they feel the same way. I'll be fine. And now it's beginning to soak into them that it's not just about me. I give it to mom and dad, give it to grandpa. And that's all I've said all along. Listen, I'm going to be fine. And actually Brett and I joked about it and we probably shouldn't have, but like we did a few weeks ago when it was starting to come out, he had went to Costa Rica in, in middle of January for about a month. Mm -hmm. And so I was back here and he was sicker than a dog for about 10 days in Costa Rica. And he's like, Kel, I'm telling you, I got on the plane. Like people were coughing and hacking up along. And, you know, he was basically like not well for a while. And he finally went to a doctor down there because I was like, Hey, you may have pneumonia is what it sounds like. He went, he didn't have pneumonia. They didn't have an answer for what he had. And sure enough, now he's fine. I didn't get sick because I wasn't around him. But, you know, the thing was is that we don't know what the answer was, if he really did have it, if he didn't, obviously, because nobody was testing for it then. But there's a small possibility it could have been that or he could have had the flu. But the thing is, you know, we keep telling his younger siblings and my nieces and nephews like, hey, you guys can't go. Then fine. Go do whatever you want. But you don't get to go visit your parents or grandma and grandpa. Like, th- that's just – that's fine. You want to go to the bars. You want to go do spring break. You want to go do whatever you want. I don't care. This is America. You're allowed to do whatever your heart desires. But you need to think about the older people that if you go home and you open the fridge and you get a soda out of grandma and grandpa's fridge and you sit down on the couch next to grandma, that there's a chance that you could have just passed mm. something along. But the older generation – my mom's 84 and she went to Florida last Thursday right when everything was shutting down. And Oh, Lord. You know, you couldn't tell her no and she's – you know, my mom is in really good condition and – mentally physically pretty you know she's had her issues she's 84 for god's sakes but uh she's doing good yeah she really is and but she's kind of like i'm 84 you know let me live i'm 84 what am i you know she goes i pretty much self-quarantine all the time i sit in my house too much but i'm gonna go uh you know i was born in florida we've got some ties to florida uh and my aunt and uncle down there and she goes i do this every year we go to watch the tournament there was nothing to do this year because the tournament went on but they walk the beach and you know but the older generation gets it, but it's, you also have to understand they've been through a lot. They, they've, they've seen a lot of things in their lifetime, or if they haven't, mom and dad, their mom and dad saw it with the Depression and World Wars and all the suffering and self-sacrifice that people had to make. So this just isn't out of their realm totally of believability. So they're a little more adjusted, acclimated to it. But now we got to get mom back from uh, I think, Florida. I think probably millennials are probably the least 
affected by all this if you really like you really think about it because i don't think right. that anything really bad has happened i mean 9 11 was pretty bad obviously um the 2008 recession was not good but other than that i i think most of us have been pretty spoiled in comparison like you said what our parents and grandparents have seen i mean you're right my mom was telling me like during the cuban missile crisis that she remembers you know having to practice hiding under their desks mm -hmm. and stuff in high school. Like, that's crazy. I never had to – oh, I take that back. Yes, we did. We had to go to the hallway because of tornado warnings. But it was not the same thing. We weren't worried about being bombed, literally. And, you know, my, my grandmother worked for Boeing during World War II because women had to go to work all of a sudden and do these things so they could step up for their country. Like, could you imagine if we actually needed people to do that right now? No. I'd be a little concerned. No, because most people are so – self-indulgent right now they would be like no someone else can do that i'm not going to do that you know exactly i mean i literally have told multiple people that have complained to me about being out of work now i will say i'm very very fortunate that i'm still gainfully employed so i don't want to discount that to anybody because it could be very easily that i'm not but if i needed to i could go get a job i mean every single one of these big box stores is hiring sam's club costco yeah Amazon is hiring right now. I just saw a thing on their website. They're hiring 100,000 people right now. Target, Walmart, all these places. If you want to go work, there is work. There is work to be done. I know it sucks because you and I are friends with tons of people in the restaurant and bar industry. And I know that it's going to take a huge hit. And myself, I worked in that industry for, God, 15 years. And it was it was so good to me. But there are other things that you could do to go make money right now. And and I, I think that people need to kind of realize that you're not above working. If you need to work to pay your bills, you can go get a job right now. Let's talk about that. You left Kansas State with a lot of college debt, which a lot of people do even worse nowadays. But your solution was, I'm going to go to Vegas, I'm going to work in the service industry, and I'm going to dig out of that hole. And you did that for a long time. And in fact, while our paths had crossed throughout our lifetime, even when you were young, you met me. But it wasn't until you went to Vegas that you and I became friends and now really close friends. It is interesting because you definitely were a – I remember multiple times throughout my childhood because you knew my Aunt Helen. Right. And she was big at K-State. Obviously, you own Go Power Cat, so everybody knew who you were, um, whether you knew who they were. <laughs> and so I do remember multiple times throughout my childhood you being there. And then you're right. It wasn't until – I definitely – partied so hard in college i couldn't tell you who i ran into when i ran into them um <laughs> but uh yeah after moving to vegas it was uh vegas was vegas has been pretty good to me overall i will say that much well, it was uh it's it was really the cool. right move at the right time yeah it's really cool what's happened to you 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 were working in the service industry but you have always been a football fan and you know k-state oh, football was rolling I, when you're in school i blame bill snyder for right. that right and Tell me about the time that you finally decided, I want to learn handicapping, and how that came about. It wasn't so much that I wanted to learn it. Like, oh, I need to learn this. Yeah. It was it was interesting because, like you said, I always loved football. I always loved college basketball, even though K-State was so atrocious at college basketball up until basically my senior year. Uh, Frank Martin came in. We finally beat KU. Um you know, in Lawrence, those kind of things were right around the, my last year, either my fourth or fifth year of college. Um, and so I kind of started getting into basketball and actually enjoying it. Um, growing up, you know, I don't want to bash anybody, but growing up with Tom Asbury and Jim Woldridge, 
K-State basketball wasn't that fun. And um, so I kind of just stopped caring, you know, just like any other kid. You know, if your team's not good, you're not – you're not fully vested. Right. And so in college I became, you know, I got season tickets. It made sense. If you're going to get ICAP football tickets that you get basketball tickets or whatever it was, 200 bucks more add to that student loan debt so that you could go to the games. And, uh, I really just fell in love with sports and, you know, being in the big 12, you start to wonder about those other teams. Like, okay, now I need to follow these teams. I need to see who these players are and figure it out so that when you do go to the games, you know, you have a better idea of like what the hell is actually going on. And so after I moved to Vegas, there was a time where it was just like, okay, you can only party and drink and act like a crazy person so much. And during football season, it was kind of like my way of almost keeping myself at bay because football starts so early here. It starts 9am on the West coast. And so even though, you know, you were out till 3am you want to get up because K state games on, or because the Texas games on or whatever it may be, you don't want to be too hungover. So you start to <laughs> start to realize that, you know, during certain times, it makes more sense to uh, focus on the things that you really enjoy. And I was working at a bar called Stoney's. It's still open out here, but it's much different now. It's a much smaller bar, but basically I ran into my buddy, Jeff, and Jeff was basically a handicapper in Ohio, and he was friends with my girlfriend, Diana, and he'd always ask Diana to go watch the games with her. She's a big Ohio State fan, so is he. And I'm like, well, I want to go watch the games with you guys. And he would always explain to me, you know, from a gambling standpoint about things. Like, I knew about sports betting. I knew about gambling on it. I just didn't understand the math behind it. And so, you know, him giving me kind of like a deep dive into that was was really helpful. And I started doing things on my own. And I hit a I hit a three team money line parlay, paid eighty five hundred bucks on a hundred dollars, and all of a sudden my whole world just kind of uh, exploded, for lack of better words. And Here. it's crazy because that was try this heroin, you'll enjoy it. Yeah. And the next thing you're hooked. <laughs> so let's see. I think that was six and a half years ago. But it was interesting because one of the guys from Wager Talk asked me probably about a year ago. He's like, "Well, what was the residual on that?" I'm like, "I I can't even tell you." Like the the ticket itself was awesome, but like the way that it actually catapulted my career, being one of the only women in the space. And now, don't get me wrong, there's a ton of women in the space now. I just think that the ones that really put themselves out there, Minty in particular, that does a lot of work with me at Wager Talk, she does. There's a, a girl named Nicole that goes by Bankroll Barbie. She puts herself out there. It, it's kind of nice to see that. Um, because Bankroll you know that Barbie. Actually, <laughs> yeah, right. It is actually fun to see their them progress as sports bettors because I went that same route where you have to learn the hard way. You're going to make bad bets. You're going to have bad beats. You're going to have this whole roller coaster ride that is everything until you kind of realize, okay, cool. This is what I can bet each game. You have to, I, I think you have to go through the trials and tribulations and the losses and the, oh my God, I'm almost broke. Thank God I have a job to make yourself more disciplined because I wasn't, I was reckless. I mean, you, God, what did you just call me? Hurricane Kelly. I mean, I'm still somewhat Hurricane Kelly, but I've had to realize that I have to limit that to certain things and my bankroll. And as far as sports betting goes, is not one of them. You can't be drunk at a bar and think I'm going to bet Nebraska second half because the original line was this and, you know, Taylor Martinez is that and whatever, you know what I mean? It's just those things have happened so many times where sometimes you get lucky and you win, but most times it's just a stupid bet. And you're going, why did I do that? I think that that's a big thing that everybody in this industry has to go through and you have to learn to adapt and to evolve. And it's been a really, really fun ride. I mean, I have no complaints. I get to do what I love for work. I mean, literally right now, 
Bleacher Report has us doing. I have, a, I have one meeting a day working from home, just kind of like touch in. Here's what we're going to do today. And the last few nights, we've literally been betting on Madden simulation. Oh, Lord. Me and my buddies, I'm like, hey, cool, oh, I'm going to take the 49ers minus three and a half, which was absolute trash yesterday. And there I am yelling at Jimmy Garoppolo, the computer version, to throw the goddamn football. It's just, <laughs> it's like almost like the real thing. But and then I'm like, and you guys wonder why you lost the Super Bowl. You know, it's, it's funny how this is what we kind of come to to keep ourselves entertained. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. I think the biggest lesson you have to learn in sports betting is you can't shoot from the hip. You can't trust your gut all the time. You've got to have some gut instinct, but really it's about the numbers. And you talk about that a lot when I have you on our pregame podcast for Kansas State. You got to trust the numbers. You run the numbers, you look at them, and you, you see things you like or don't, and that's when the gut comes in. Not just how I pick games, which is I look at them and go, blue. You know, you can't you can't do that. Well, I, think, I think a big thing that people don't realize, so the math is the math, and I tell people that all the time. Mm. It doesn't matter. Like I, The great thing about what I do and the network that I've built is that I've – started working smarter, not harder. I've got guys that have been doing this for 50 years. Ralph Michaels, that does a lot of work with me. If you guys aren't following him on Twitter, at CalSportsLV, is the number one numbers guy. He has a database, Tim, that is out of this world. I mean, if you guys ever need anything for Go Powercat, let me know. He can literally say, okay, this is K-State's all the way back to the 50s. They have data. And it, it's wild Nuts. because if you look at it, obviously everything reverts to the mean. But we can take small sample sizes of college football numbers, K-State football totals, particularly with Bill Snyder. We know that defensively and eating that clock, the numbers start to get adjusted for the totals. Well, at a, while, at a certain while, the market starts to overreact and everybody's betting those unders, right? When the games finally start going over. But to be able to have someone like him be able to to crunch numbers for me and here's here's the black and white math then we can start looking at things which is what i prefer and you you call it your gut but i would say it's more situational handicapping okay k-state is playing texas one week they then get a play uh let's think of a crappier team let's call it texas tech which is not really and then they have ku on deck we would call that maybe like a sandwich spot because not because KU football is good, but because they're a rival, right? And you look at right. it more. We see it in the SEC all the time where Alabama plays LSU, then all of a sudden they play the Citadel, and then they play Georgia, right? And it's like, how much do they care about the Citadel? Well, we saw that a couple of years ago. They didn't. That's why they were down at halftime because it's it's a look-ahead spot. It's a sandwich spot where you don't care about this crappy team you're playing. And those are the kind of things where I feel like we can really find value because at the end of the day, the math is still the math. The sports book guys have intricate computer systems and algorithms as well. So I might find a half point edge, a point edge, but situationally you have to think about the mindset of 20-year-old kids. And as much as we can talk about coaching kids up all the time, they're not going to get up for teams named the Citadel. They're not going to get up, uh, you know, K-State, This uh, the last time – I, I told everybody about K-State basketball. I said, listen, right now, Bruce is saying that they're all emotionally tapped. I don't want to touch this team. And you know what? After that, they covered three of their last four. I mean, when a coach says something like that, the market's going to overreact to it. And the Lions get bet up against K-State. And guess what? 
it didn't matter. They still got the backdoor cover against Okie State. They covered against KU. I mean, these things, Baylor it was a was an incredible cover, and that was the only one I had bet of all of them. But it it's so wild to me how if you can just find value in the marketplace, that's where I truly find an edge. And it, and it doesn't always work that way. It's not so black and white. But each and every week you can find little snippets like that. But, yes, at the bottom line, the math is the math. And I think people need to need to realize that, that we're absolutely betting numbers, not teams. You're in the podcast space now. I love calling it that, by the way, like it's its own realm. Isn't everybody, doesn't everybody have a podcast now, Tim? Uh, everyone should. Every, everyone should <laughs> just have a podcast. Even if you just complaining about your children, it's just very, um, very therapeutic. Uh, the oh Kelly and Murray God, podcast. I never thought about it like that. Yeah, You're it, so right. It is. It is therapeutic. I get to say whatever, and you know, people can get upset. And I'm like, it's a podcast. I'm just having fun. You know, having fun. I might make fun of the virus, but it's all in good nature, folks. But the Kelly and Murray podcast. How'd that come about? And how much fun are you having with it? So it's it's kind of weird how it came about. So with when I started at Wager Talk, we didn't really know what I was going to do. I had been in talks with them prior. They said, hey, we want you to work with us. I said, this is not enough money. Sorry. I was going to go work for a company called SBR in Costa Rica. Went back and forth on that. Obviously, PAPSA got uh, repealed by the federal government, and all of a sudden, sports betting is not illegal in the United States anymore. And everybody said, okay, now what? Now what are we going to do? And I ended up working for Wager Talk, and we knew I was going to host videos and stuff of that nature. But what I did the very first year, which was really fun, was I got to interview some sportsbook directors and I got to hear their opinions on games and I got to hear what the sharp sides were and everybody's going, well, why would they want to give it out? Well, the line's already moved, so they don't care. If you want to bet a bad line, you're going to do it. And we figured out with John Murray at the Westgate that the sides that he was giving out were three out of four, three out of five on bad weeks, two out of five. I mean, it was it was wild that these sharp sides were just crushing it. And the first year, these videos that I was just sitting there literally recording with my cell phone were getting eight or 9,000 views. It was crazy. And I was yeah. like, this is wild that, that people are actually watching this. And it's just me and him literally just having like screw around for 20 minutes joking with each other. Like, how is this a video? It got really popular. And I had several people say, hey, I think we could turn this into a show. And so we kind of shopped it around to a couple of different outlets and, and I pushed really hard for Sirius XM, but they weren't quite there yet. And they also really wanted a daily show. And I knew we couldn't give that. You, you can't maybe during football season, you can give out a daily show, maybe college basketball, but come baseball season, it's not going to work. And so we kind of, like I said, shopped around the idea and we got this company out of Chicago called Greenline. They're actually building like a, big studio uh now that illinois is legal uh sports betting, they're building one i think it's in the rivers casino so they're going to have like a 24-hour sports network but they said listen we're waiting on illinois let's dip our toe in the water here and see what we can come up with with kelly and murray and in it i was shocked i mean i mean i think we've had over 350,000 downloads and that was since we started uh week one of college football so it was it's it's been really successful and uh, it's fun. You're right. I didn't even think about it therapeutic because every single week I bitch about Twitter and I bitch about my bad beats and people either laugh or they turn it off. <laughs> I think that's because it's relatable yeah. and, and they have some sort of like, that's awesome. We want her to be in pain or no, I was on that same side, like screw that kicker or whatever it may be. And it, and it becomes it becomes funny of, of sorts, I guess, if that makes any sense. And I, and I thought it was, I thought it was really, 
I thought it was a really fun season. Obviously, we had to cut it a little bit short, but what we kind of decided was, you know, we, we had planned to go through the Masters was going to be our final show and then back in August again. But I think what we'll do is, depending on how things pan out, we're, we're really, really, really hopeful for some stuff to, to happen in May from what we're hearing, um, and at worst case, June. So, you know, July could be really exciting. We may see the Stanley Cup finals and we may see the NBA finals. Baseball might be in, you know, nice full swing then. So we're going we're gonna to anticipate on coming back early, doing some shows before football season and and really starting to dive in those season win totals because it's, it's crazy that the sports books are so starved right now that they're, they've already put out season win totals. I, I don't want to worry people because I do think Vegas is going to be back. I had somebody ask me if I thought it was going to be worse than the 2008 recession and i said temporarily yes but i don't think long term no i think that this is going to be a a short term let's call it three or four month hit and i think that vegas is going to rebound really well and uh hopefully hopefully everybody doesn't take too bad of a financial hit and still is wanting to travel yeah i agree i I think things will rally pretty quickly now individual stocks companies some will be really hurt by this I think as a whole, though, the economy and the market will all even out as there's going to be winners and losers as there isn't anything that happens. And it's just this is really, really unfortunate. You know, I think also if people listened a little bit more. We might not be on complete lockdown. I know you guys in Manhattan are just kind of in a, in a little bit of a limbo there, at least according to my mother. But like <laughs> uh, she laughed at the, the liquor store guy that she's buddies with dropped off a bottle of Tito's for her, So she didn't even have to leave the house. That's beautiful. Probably illegal know, right? in the state of Kansas, so we won't it's, name it's, what liquor it's store. It's definitely illegal. I won't say which liquor store, yeah. but he, he's a good guy taking care of my mom for me. Got to have the vodka, trust me. Um, this really kind of blew up for you. You were well-known in a way through your videos and your you know, your hottie threesome you did briefly that I thought was brilliant self-marketing. But when Showtime comes up with the little series documentary action when I heard you were going to be on it, I was fearful for you. I was fearful they were going to turn you into a cutout character and be unfair. And it was just the opposite. You weren't the villain of that show by far. I mean, we know who that was. And uh, I thought it was just a really good visual of you, good and bad. You know, the little, there was a little Hurricane Kelly there, but also you came across as one of the more sane people on that show. When, really? when was Hurricane Kelly on my birthday? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know what happened? The, the reason why it wasn't full on Hurricane Kelly, because I was like, I'm drunk. You guys have to leave. Like, we're Good done for you. Filming now. Because, I, you know, it's my birthday and shots are getting ripped and we're I'm with all my friends and I can say whatever I want. And I think that that's the thing now with this world is that being in a certain light, you even know you can't just say whatever you want. Oh, and I know. I wanted to be able to joke with my friends and to to say things and call one of them a bitch if I wanted to or whatever and have people be able to speak freely and enjoy themselves because you can't tell, but I could tell that there were people that weren't being themselves because the cameras were there. Chelsea, uh, the one that made the liposuction joke, mm-hmm. definitely being herself. A couple of other girls had kind of digressed of, as who they were because they, I think, were like, okay, there's all these cameras here right. and, and they're recording everything we say. And the second they left, I mean, we were out until – I think 6.30 in the morning. <laughs> like we went, you know what I mean? We were out and, and we were sitting, I remember we were sitting at a center bar 
at Caesars and I was like, is the sun up? And my girlfriend Katie's like, yeah, it is. I go, I think it's time to go home. Like it was just past the point at that point in time where I was like, all right, uh, I don't know why I'm still out. I have no reason. I can't even drink anymore. Like I'm, if you've ever drank yourself sober, you're just like, and it's just time to get an Uber and go home. So it was, it was, it was a really fun, that was a really fun night, but I am glad I kicked them out. Well, I have the Larry Eustacey rule. If I ever get my photo taken with anyone, and, and it's odd how, you know, I still consider it odd how many people want to get their photo with me or whatever. I don't care if I'm drinking a Sprite in a red Solo cup. I set it down. I have no You're drinks smart. in my hand. Only you have to be a very trusted friend to have me like, hey, let's do a shot. And if, you know, but just you general, know, no, nothing in my hand. I can always deny, even if I'm blitzed out of my mind, I can deny I was blitzed out of my mind. That's one thing that uh, my coworker, Cabby, he came from Toronto. He worked for TSN and the score up there. And he's now down here with me with Bleach Report. And honestly, he's taught me a lot of little things like that that I don't think of. Because we get a couple hour break sometimes and maybe one of the producers and I go grab lunch and I'll get a, a glass of wine or, and by lunch, I mean, sorry, our lunch is from like five to seven. <laughs> so like lunch and, you know, maybe I'll grab a glass of wine and cause I don't have to be back on stage until 9 PM or whatever it may be. And he's like, you got to really be careful kid because a lot of people recognize you. And, you know, and, and I don't think like that. I mean, we were leaving Bruno Mars a couple of weeks ago and I was lit and I didn't mean to be that drunk. I just think that like drinks just kept flowing. They just kept bringing them to our section of the concert. And next thing you know, you're just like, Oh wow. And everybody wanted to stay out. And Brett was like, we're going home. And I was like, why I'm having a great time. He goes, Kelly, like you don't even, you're not even thinking clearly right now because you are way too drunk. And it's going to take one person getting a video of you being way too drunk. And you know, it, it, you have to think about those things now. And I, that's never a world that I think I ever wanted to live in. (laughs) Good for him. Good for him. He's, he's trying to tame hurricane Kelly. And I like that. Yeah. Yeah. God bless. (laughs) Good luck with that, buddy. Good luck. You're right. The, the action series overall was was really fun. Um, I did enjoy it, and, and I tried to not hold anything back. And they were like, hey, can we film you at the gym? Can we film you at the nail salon? Can we film you? know?" And I was like, well, do you guys want to go to my – got to get this laser treatment done and this needling treatment done. And they're like, yeah, we want to go. And, uh, it, you know, that kind of stuff, people were shocked that I let be filmed. But it's, it is the reality, and I think a lot of people don't realize that I wouldn't be surprised if multiple women on ESPN and other, you know, TV outlets – don't get that stuff done. I'm, no. I'm almost positive no. they do. No, they have to. And that we've chatted about that, how unfair it is that you have to go do that kind of stuff. And I'm fat, bald, and I can not worry <laughs> about it. You know, it's just to be on it's television as a female, you just, for the most part, you have to be attractive. It's just a Tim, bad thing of our society. The, tell me you saw the tweet yesterday about my eyebrows, right? Like, have you ever, I have never thought about my eyebrows this much in real life ever until basically Bleacher Report. There must be something about me doing these selfie videos for them that people are just like enamored with these damn eyebrows, which is so funny because like back in the day, speaking of crazier things that we used to do, like we had super thin eyebrows, right? And I used to lighten mine because my hair was blonde. And I've just had people tell me like, hey, stop doing that. So I did. And now they're super dark next to my blonde hair. And now it's like, oh, what are you doing to your eyebrows? Are you painting them on? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? And it's just like, holy cow, you guys are hilarious. Where, you know, with men, no one's paying attention unless you're Anthony Davis. that has got a unibrow. And yeah. then all of a sudden it becomes your key thing on your face where you have to leave it, you know. And it, it's funny that 
things that like, I'm not this much of a girl, but I have to be, I have to have my nails done. I read the YouTube comments like, Oh, her nails are too long. Why does she wear black nail polish? What? It's dark purple. Leave me alone. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, since when did people start paying attention? And I think you're right. When it's a woman, people are paying more attention because it's either expected that you keep up with things or that you do things. And also guys don't check out other guys really. No, not, Typically, although I have my man crushes, but that's another topic I don't want to really get into. <laughs> you don't want to divulge that today? No. Um, well, I, I openly talk about my man crushes, but uh, I don't want to do it right now. Hey, uh, <laughs> one final thing before I let you go. The state of Kansas, we finally got out of the 19th century, moved into the 20th century now with some of our liquor laws. And we're not fully there. But the state of Kansas is actually getting close to sports betting. I, I am stunned. I can, I'm just stunned. Well, okay, listen, if they're not going to let you guys smoke pot, no, they got to get some tax money from somewhere. Because I don't know, I'm trying to think of when I was a kid, I vaguely remember the lottery talk and how it was supposed to help schools and how it was supposed to build roads. Yeah, now, no. we know that when you leave Kansas, you go to Nebraska, Colorado, Oklahoma, or Missouri, we do have the best roads we do. of the surrounding states. You can definitely tell when you leave. That being said... Kansas needs some money to keep up with the schools. They need some money to keep up with the infrastructure because they have to figure out how to keep things up. And if you're not going to legalize pot, then people are going to go to Missouri. They're going to go to Oklahoma. They're going to go to Colorado, just like we used to on Sundays to get booze. I think sports betting is, is great. Uh, you know, I wrote an article for The Times in 2013, and at that time we were talking two, three, four, five billion dollars was going offshore. It's still happening. It's just now also happening legally within, what is it, 10 states now. I think it'll be a great thing for Kansas. I think it'll be a great thing for the casinos if they could get them to where it's like Canada, where you almost have it as a lottery system, where you go into the gas station and you have to at least do two teams, like a two-team parlay. I think it, I think it makes the most sense. Um, I agree. I think, I think it'll be great for revenue because people are doing it anyway. And you know what? People are still going to bet offshore. People are still going to bet on credit because you don't have to have cash out of pocket. All right. It's right. not going to hurt any of the local bookies in Western Kansas. They will survive. It, it happens. It's it, it's like prohibition. You know, you just controlled a little bit better and profit from it. I actually think Kelly, we're going to have medical marijuana in the state of Kansas. Oklahoma, for heaven's sakes, has now done it. Uh, I know. That's what I said. People are going to Colorado and Oklahoma as it is. I know people yep. that drive four hours, and I'm going, "What's wrong with you?" And then I'm going, "Oh, Kelly, don't act like you haven't driven to Missouri on a Sunday to get vodka before." I know. I know. Yeah, we have Sunday liquor sales in Kansas. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're putting away the covered wagons. We're remote here. We are socially distanced by geography, and we're doing fine in Kansas right now, but uh, it'll all get here. And uh, with my situation, I'd really like it if they approve medical marijuana before I need it and not if I ever get to that point. Hopefully I won't. You know, I'll be able to access it legally instead of, you know, risking committing a felony just so I'm not in pain. It's just crazy. I, listen, I, I'm totally on board with it. I'm not a... I'm not an avid marijuana user. It's legal. It's been legal out here for a couple of years. But every once in a while, it's nice to take a gummy and just zone out and go to bed. Like it just to just get a good night's sleep yeah. without Ambien or without even melatonin. I get weird dreams and stuff. But yep. I take a I I probably have I think maybe I get ten at a time. I probably take 
five a month, but it is nice to get that deep sleep on those days that you know that you can get 10 hours because the other days you only get four. And uh, it's, I think it is a much better alternative to me having a bottle of wine to do that or me taking Ambien. And I, and I don't see anything wrong with it. I think Kansas is hopefully going to get on board. And like you said before, people actually need them. People like us are really good at drinking. We're, we're really exceptional. Well, I mean, we're kind of like LeBron and Kobe of alcohol. <laughs> Why would we go play tennis? Right? Uh, fair enough. I, I mean, that's just, you got to stick in your lane and be good at it. And you're certainly that with gambling. And hopefully I am with whatever the hell I do. I don't even know what I do for a living. I mean, I just, <laughs> I cover sports. Is that really, I mean, how do I, how do I make a living doing Covering sports. Well, that might be coming to an end because everyone wants free stuff now. So we'll see how that works out for me. But. Yeah, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on it. You know, as as it starts to evolve, I think we just have to evolve with it. And that's kind of where I've been with everything is, okay, everybody wants free stuff. Everybody wants free picks. But if you can figure out a way to deliver it and, and get sponsorship dollars and things of that nature, I think I think I think we'll get by. I think it'll be okay. So you're saying like the Topless Fits podcast? I, I mean, got to market. Are they gonna know your, is it, is it going to be on video now? Well, I think just the image in the head. Uh, you know, oh, okay. Uh, I would think that will probably drive the downloads. I'm, I don't know. <laughs> Final question for you, and it's probably the most important question I've asked you so far. How's your toilet paper supply? Uh, well. Let's see. I probably have like ten rolls. I don't know. Oh, I'm a like as I mentioned, my I, my dad is is quite the stockpiler of things. I am not, but I, I definitely um, I definitely have everything that I need. And as of right now, I'm not worried about it. The the toilet paper thing was not something I rushed out to buy. And actually, when I went to CVS last week, and I got um, just you know some minor things like some vitamins and stuff like that that I thought might be off the shelves had toilet paper and I bought some and I ended up giving it to uh, my production manager because she had zero. So I said, don't worry, I actually just randomly bought some just because it was there. Um, I think we'll we'll be okay. I I laughed. There was a meme that said, um, hey, guys, this virus causes fever and coughing. You're not going to shit yourself five times a day. No doubt. doubt. It's so America. It's just so America. You know, why? Because why is it so American? they're afraid they're going to be locked in their houses for months and crap themselves and not have any toilet paper and being I mean, out of toilet paper is horrible shower afterwards. I mean, I, like if you're stuck in your home, you're not stuck somewhere I know, else. I know. I know. We're just, we panic. We and it gets back to this. We're soft. We're a soft generation. We've never had this, and I get it. We, I told you. New. I told you the worst, the couple of bad things that's ever happened in my whole life. Yep. And uh, I, I, I. And as I bad worried. as nine eleven was, we weren't worried about crap in our pants. Exactly. Thank you, Kelly. I appreciate it very Thanks, much. Tim. A little confession here. I cut about 10 minutes out of my chat with Kelly. We'd go on forever. Didn't even get into a lot of the topics I wanted to talk about. But we hadn't chatted in a while, and so much has changed in this world. Speaking of which, while we were recording this podcast, our first case of COVID-19 popped up in Manhattan from a 51-year-old male who had just returned from Europe. 
So it's finally here in little old Manhattan, Kansas. If you don't know about Manhattan, about 50,000 people, 25, 24,000 students who currently aren't here. And it's a little bit of a ghost town compared to the hustle and bustle of the normal college town life. Well, I hope everyone's taking care of themselves. I will be doing this. Just laying low at home, doing my work for GoPowerCat.com, the 24-7 sports network, and recording this podcast whenever I get a chance. Because right now, I just need to talk to some friends. I need to see how they're doing, and we all have time on our hands and not enough to do. Pick up the phone. And remember, men, if you're over 45, make sure you get your PSA scored so you don't get surprised by prostate cancer like me. And now I'm in the battle, but I'm going to win. I'll talk to you real soon.